We're still in the middle of a series which I have called and entitled What Happens When Jesus Comes. And there's some wonderful gospel stories in the book of Acts that tells us what happens when Jesus comes. And um, we know that he came, and the most wonderful thing is that he still comes to us. That's what the Bible says. The Holy Spirit is with us in our lives every second. As a matter of fact, he lives inside of us, and he brings the wonderful presence of Jesus to us. Um, as a slight intro, you'll find that even in the book of Acts, you'll find out that there are times when Jesus uh, reveals his presence in an extraordinary way. Remember when Peter just walked down the road and his shadow fell on people. And people got healed. Incredible presence of Jesus. There's this theological dilemma that we oftentimes have where we say that um, God is omnipresent. That means he is with us all the time. And that's true. But then we see in the Gospels, well, in the Old Testament, the Gospels, and we see in the book of Acts where the presence of Jesus is within a place in an extraordinary way. And certain things happen. And so it is true that um, theologically, we look at scripture, it covers both aspects, that God is with us all the time, but at times his presence is intensified and amazing things happen. I really believe that within the church, there's amazing opportunity for the presence of God to be intensified. Three, two or more are gathered together. There I am in the midst of you. It's one of the scriptures. And so we understand that things happen when Jesus comes. And so we've just looked at some stories in the Gospels and in the book of Acts where Jesus comes and things happen. And um, I want to speak this morning about what happens when Jesus comes and he meets us in the storms of life. What happens? And so I'd like you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 36. What happens when Jesus comes to meet us in the storms of life? I think the topic is very applicable for what's happening. Is it in Western Germany? And... Um, in other parts of Europe, I think Denmark as well. Um, one of um, my brother-in-law's son, his girlfriend's mother has a shop in Denmark and it's underwater, just escaped from their house. So, so there's been storms within Europe. We know that as I got home on Friday and uh, I went to walk next to the river there when the weather subsided a bit, and I see that our river is so, so high. I took some clips and sent them to Jen. And so we know that we've had a lot of rain here. Um, a number of our friends in the church contacted me over the weekend, and they've either gone to France or to Italy because they're chasing after the sun. 
and the sun is here. And so um, we're very privileged to be here. But my friends, storms are a reality of life for every person and for every believer. And let's read a passage of scripture that tells us about an encounter that the disciples had with a storm and Jesus stepping into the very midst of that storm to rescue them. And so let's read from verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. A phrase that I want you to remember is verse 22. It says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. Just put that little thought into your mind. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. Then let's read on. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went on to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Keep this thought within your mind. Oftentimes, when we're in the midst of a storm, we see things, but we make the wrong conclusion on what we are seeing. They saw a ghost. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. We don't always recognize Jesus in a certain circumstance until he starts to speak to us. Verse 28 says, Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And I love the word come. It's part of our topic here. So we see here that Peter says, tell me to come to you on water. Come, he said. Then Jesus got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret, and when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick get touched by the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. So what happens when Jesus comes? Things happen. Now, can all of you see a little bit of this painting here? Let me just turn it a little bit here for you guys. I know it's a little bit far for those of you who don't have your glasses on. 
This was painted for us by a very good friend of ours. His name is Duncan Stewart. And um, Brendan Locke brought it to our church and um, he painted it for Jen and I in particular. And um, we also showed it to the church at that time. But this painting is entitled The Lucky Fish. And for Jen and I, we're like this fish. We feel like the lucky fish when God called us to come and serve. Um, this church, but also Switzerland and Europe. We really felt like the lucky fish. You would say, well, what is this all about? Well, it is based on this passage of Scripture. You've got the fish here on the left-hand side. Then you've got the boat right here. And then you have two people on the right here, and this fish had the privilege of seeing Peter being the only person ever to walk on water besides Jesus, and he was walking towards Jesus while the storm was raging. And Jesus said to Peter, come to me, when Peter said, Lord, all you need to do is to say, come. And so, you know, um, I think here at Lyft, for those of you who are new, who have come over uh, the summertime, uh, you are going to be like this fish. You're going to be the lucky fish because you are going to see God in your time here do amazing and miraculous things within the lives of people. I could probably tell you story after story of being the lucky fish to behold the incredible things that God has done in the lives of people, how he has transformed people. I had one of my friends just to call me, they're in Zook at the moment, they've got actually gone to Italy, Graham Hamilton, and Graham came to the church and he came for something like nine months. And in a period of nine months, God started to work within his heart and he got saved miraculously. He became a follower of Jesus, but radically transformed. And if I tell you of Graham, I could tell you of so many other people, some of you sitting here, God has transformed your life. We are the lucky fish to see this story that's written to us in Matthew chapter 14 actually lived out within our lives, where when people respond to Jesus and walk towards him, God transforms lives. And so you're in a good place. And we have a real desire and a faith to see more of these things happen. For Jesus, um, just to reach out to people, for them to respond to him, and for them to have an encounter with him that transforms lives. Hunley is sitting here and I had the most wonderful privilege to become friends with her husband and just to see how Bill started to reach out to God in a most extraordinary way. And how Bill and I and Hunley and Jen and others together with them journeyed until the Lord called Bill home. It's almost a year now. And um, it's the incredible things that God does. But oftentimes God comes to us in the time of storms within our lives. And when you look at this passage of Scripture, some of the key thoughts that I mentioned as we were reading, Jesus actually put the disciples in the storm. 
there are times when we make our own storms because we step out of God's will. That is true. And even in those moments, God will reach out to us and he'll draw us to himself. And so we see that within the scriptures. We see that in the life of Jonah. We also see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 30, where Paul speaks to the church at Corinth and he says we've got to be careful when we partake of communion in an unworthily manner and he says that sickness will come upon us when we do that. It's when we step out of the will of God and we do not take God seriously that oftentimes we make our own storms. When we start to walk away from God, we make our own storms. So we know that that is not a storm that God makes, it's a storm that we make. And yet the incredible mercy, goodness, and the grace of God is that he pursues us in those moments and he wants to draw us back to him. One of the sad things that I've seen when I went back to South Africa, Jen and I, and we led a church there for many, many years, and we heard about some of the people that we knew that we ministered to, and during the COVID time and even before that, we just saw that a number of marriages just was broken up. And it's real sadness in my heart when I started hearing about these people because some of them we brought through some of the storms. And some of them, not all of them, but some of them chose to go their own ways. And either one of the person um, within the marriage or or both, and we see that they are making their own storms for themselves. And so the Bible speaks about them in Acts chapter five, Ananias and Sapphira in the church, they made their own storms for themselves. So we know that scripture speaks very clearly that um, there are storms of which God is not the author of. And we need to make sure that when we find ourselves walking down that road, We need to reach out to God because his arms are open towards us. His grace is extended towards us, but we need to reach out to receive his mercy and his grace within those times. So that's one storm. But then there is also another storm that comes to us. And those are storms that come because we are in God's will. The prevailing thought oftentimes within young believers and even some mature believers is that if I become a Christian, if I become a believer, if I'm a follower of Christ, then everything would be well and there won't be any storms within my life. Well, my friends, that just is not biblical firstly and experientially it is just not true. And we need to understand that God is the author of some of those storms within our lives. But the most wonderful thing is that in his sovereignty, he covers us within those moments as we go through those type of storms. And we see here that Peter, in the midst of a storm, and the disciples got so afraid. But you see, Jesus knew what he was doing. He was testing their faith. You see, and my friends, when we go through storms, storms reveal the nature 
of our faith. It also reveals the strength of our commitment to what we know is true in God. It also shows off the level of our maturity in the faith when we go through storms, how we act and how we react. The healthiness of our attitudes are assessed when we go through a storm, and oftentimes within a storm, our teachability is tested in God. Just how teachable are we? when we go through a storm. Um, while we were in South Africa, we went through a few storms there. It was totally out of our control. And I don't know who the author of those storms are, um, but nevertheless, it tests the quality of faith. It tests our attitudes as we go through those times. Certainly in Europe at the moment, the faith of people are being tested not only in relation of COVID, but also in relation to nature. And um, it was interesting. I was listening to Sky TV this morning and there was a lady who was talking about climate change and she was an authority in that area and she made the comment that the climate will have the last word. And, and as she said that, I wanted to say to my dear lady, I've got news for you. The climate will not have the last word. Historically and presently, we know that Jesus has the last word because when you read this passage of Scripture, that he has authority over the wind, over the waves, over the storms. Aren't you glad about that? He has authority over it. Not man and not even what man does. Do believe that we need to be good stewards of the world that God has placed us in. But my friends, the world, the earth, the climate will not have the last word. Jesus will have the last word. And we see here that Peter and the disciples are marveled at the authority of Jesus that they see within this passage of Scripture. My friends, Storms come oftentimes because we are in the will of God. You see here in Matthew chapter 14, 22, you see the disciples are in the boat at the direction of Jesus himself. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. They were in the very midst of God's will. You see what had happened prior to that was that Jesus was them about what it means to live by faith. So many of the teachings that Jesus gave the disciples in instances like these was to show them and to teach them how to live their lives in a world that is so unstable. And so after he taught them, he was testing this truth within their lives and they, he sent them onto the boat. He caused the winds to happen, and he also caused it to subside. Jesus was in control of that trial in which the disciples were in. My friends, you could be going through a trial, and because you're following Jesus, you're passionate about him, and you actually have so many questions of why you are going through these things. My friends, I want you to know that Jesus 
is actually in control of what's going on within your life. I really love what happens here in the story because you would see in like way Job, when we read the scripture, that he was in the very center of God's will and yet some really strange things happened to him. He got sick. His family was taken away from him. All of his wealth disappeared, and yet he was in the will of God. And God took him through a journey where he sustained him, and at the end of his trial, God restored everything that he lost, and he multiplied it within his life. It's because God was in control of righteous Job's life. We see that with Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 33, we see that Paul tells us that he had been beaten so many times. He was shipwrecked so many times. Um, he was sent into situations that he didn't ask for, but he went into those situations because he was in the will of God. And in that place, 2 Corinthians around chapter 11, Paul says, and he encounters a thorn within his flesh, and the Bible says that God says to him, my grace is sufficient for you. He experienced a storm within his life that was protracted. It was a long trial within his life, and he had to live in the grace of God. God didn't take him out of that situation. He didn't deliver him, but he had to Walk in the grace of God. That means the strength of God had to come into his life. He had to hold on to Jesus. He had to look at Jesus and he had to walk through this trial within his life. Now, some people say that this thorn within Paul's flesh was a sickness. I'm not sure about that. Some said that he had really weak eyes and he couldn't read anymore. Possibly so, but others believe that it was a man called Simon the Tanner, a man that made life very, very difficult for Paul, and he had to endure that thorn within his flesh, and God says, I'm not going to remove that. It is because of the surpassing great revelation that I've given you. He says, um, you will be in a place where you will trust me where you walk humbly before me because actually that thorn in your flesh will cause you to reach out to me. I know this is not a popular message, but it is true, folks. There are times when we walk through a trial. It's protracted for a long trial, but where we actually need to reach out to God and he fills our lives with the resource that we need. Our cleverness, our wealth, our position cannot get us out of that trial. What I've observed here in Switzerland is that oftentimes when we get into certain trials, our positions, our wealth, and our privileged lifestyle here can buy us out of certain situations. My friends, if we choose to go our own way, there will be trials sent to us and some of them, the author of, is God, so that we can rely upon him, and so that we can focus on him, and so that we can walk with him. And we see that this is Paul's experience when he goes through the storm. And so I do believe that there are 
times when these storms come and when we're fearful, when we're uncertain of what was going to happen, um, at those times, the quality of our faith will be tested. Now, I love this passage of Scripture because it is so like us. There were, well, all of the disciples were in the boat, weren't they? And the storm was raging, and suddenly they see this ghost walking towards them like figure, and they're even more afraid. And they cry out, and Jesus speaks, and he tells them, it is I. And the one person who has courage and who's willing to venture out is Peter. Don't you love the character of Peter? He, 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 he wasn't subjected to peer pressure. He, he was a man who was um, oftentimes louder than what he should be. And on this occasion, Jesus walks towards them. He comes towards them. And um, Peter says to Jesus, Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says to him, Peter, come, come. And Peter climbs out of the boat. I wonder what the lucky fish was thinking at that moment. And he climbed out of the boat and he started walking towards Jesus. Now I guarantee you the other disciples in the boat looked at each other and as Peter was walking they said, why didn't we ask Jesus to walk on the water? No, but Peter did it. Peter walked and he walked towards Jesus and he actually walked on the water. And then he started to look around. He looked at the circumstances and he started to drown. And he called out and he said, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And one thing that you know about Jesus is that Jesus is pretty direct. He doesn't mince his words. He gets straight to the point and he says to Peter, and I would have been a whole lot nicer than Jesus. But we see here that um, Jesus said to Peter, you of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? You of little faith. <laughs> I think if, if I was on the other side, I would have said, Peter, you of great faith, well done. Jesus says to Peter, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I think sometimes we're a lot kinder than what Jesus would be in certain situations because Jesus knew what he was teaching the disciples. He also knew what was awaiting them when he was leaving. He was preparing them for a mission. My friends, I believe that God is preparing us for a mission, and that mission is so that the gospel can be preached all over Switzerland and Europe. He's preparing us, but my friends, we can't be prepared when we model collie one another. I mean, look at Jesus. He says, Peter, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt me? Now, was he speaking to the disciples as well? Maybe, but he was addressing this to Peter. Then Peter got out of the boat walked on the water and came toward Jesus. You know, this is the thing that we need to realize, my friends, is when we are involved in a storm, we need to walk towards 
Jesus. But the most wonderful thing is that Jesus first started to walk towards the disciples. That is what we call God's grace and mercy in action. My friends, he draws us. He opens up the door for us. He, he comes to us. And when he comes to us, my friends, we need to respond in faith. That word which says, when Jesus says, come, it is a, a, another definition for faith. We need to come. We need to take a step and we need to walk towards him. And when he started to walk toward Jesus, my friends, things started to happen, amazing things. My friends, I really believe that it is crucial for us in the hour that we live in to walk towards Jesus. You cannot tell me that we are not moving closer and closer to the time for Jesus' return. And when you look at everything that's happening around us, and Jesus said it would happen, Rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, all of those things. It's not a scare tactic, but God is preparing us to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. And the Bible says, then he will come. But all of these things are sent so that you and I can be prepared in our faith, so that our faith can become genuine, so that our faith can be strong as we respond to the nearness of Jesus. What does Jesus do for us when we're in the storm? Jesus prays for us. Hebrews chapter seven verse 25 says, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. My friends, the trial, the storm that you are going through, Jesus prays. How much do you believe that? That tests the quality of your faith, doesn't it? The genuineness of your faith. There are times within my life when I say, this is what you say, but I don't see the reality within my life. Are there some people who feel that way too? I'm glad there's one or two of you, because I do feel that way. We were in the midst of a situation in our home country where things are happening, you know, and I felt so unspiritual during that time. I went on the beach and I started praying, but I, you know, I wanted to say, but Jesus, what are you doing? It was a cry of my heart. Some of these things are sent our way to prove the genuine quality of our faith. I think Europe, America, I mean all over the world, there are storms. My friends know that Jesus is praying for you. Remember in Luke chapter 22 verse 32, it says, but I've prayed for you, Jesus, says Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. When Jesus prays, there is a sense of saying, Lord, everything is gonna be okay. So we see that when we're in the midst of the storm, he prays for us, but he also comes to us as we see here within this passage of scripture. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Jesus didn't just pray, but he came to them in the storm. Jesus does more than just pray. He comes. And there are prayers that you and I need to pray in faith and say, Lord Jesus, 
Would you please come? Would you please come? That's what prayer is all about, isn't it? Prayer says, come God. We prayed for France today. It's no use just praying a prayer. A prayer prayed in faith believes that Jesus comes. Amen? As a church, we need to learn to pray better prayers in faith. I do believe it. Europe is a hard nut to crack. Switzerland needs a revival. It's going to require men and women, boys and girls, to pray prayers and to say, Lord Jesus, would you come? Would you come? We need to understand the power of the presence of God. When Jesus comes, we need to respond and we need to come to him. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 says, Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Whenever Jesus comes, my friends, we need to respond in kind. We need to come to him. John 7, 37 says, Now on the last day of the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up, cried out aloud, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. I believe God is stirring the world for the world to become thirsty for him. We had just the most wonderful holiday in South Africa. It was a wonderful time. But what I realize is that I don't thirst as much as I thought I would for a holiday. I was just sitting here in the service and Ken and them were leading us in some wonderful singing and I just realized, but this is what I thirst after. This is what I long after his presence. Jesus invites us to come. And then, when Jesus comes to us, like he did, with the disciples, he also speaks. When Jesus comes, he speaks. And we see within this passage, verses 26 and 27 of Matthew 14, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said, take courage, it is I, be not afraid. When Jesus comes, you see Jesus prays, Jesus comes to us, but then he also speaks to us. I'd like to see you hunger after hearing God. When last did you hear God speak? On holiday, I was doing some reading in the scriptures, and it was just so wonderful at one stage. I was just reading passage of this passage, and God spoke to me through the Bible, through the word. That's my most cherished way to hear God speak. Speaks prophetically too, we know that. But he speaks through the word of God. When last have you opened the Bible and you actually heard him speak? Well, my friends, you need to say, Lord, please come. And the Holy Spirit will open up your eyes as you read the word of God. And you will hear words that will help you and strengthen you and encourage you. Peter after this experience, was a man who understood something of the presence of God. What happens when Jesus comes? 
He will quiet the storm, even though it would require faith and patience. But he will give you the strength to walk through it. What are you requiring at this time? Would you stand, please?